What's going on, Wellness Gang? Welcome back to Embodied Wellness Radio, a podcast framed around making women healthy again. My name is Denny Maximchuk. And I'm Sarah Collins. And today we are going to be talking about continuous glucose monitors, measuring your blood sugar and all of the things kind of around that, especially if you're a beginner to this, we're going to go over some of the more basic questions and some of the things that Sarah has found over the past few months of monitoring her blood glucose levels with a CGM. So before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about blood sugar and blood sugar is so key for our overall health as well as our hormones. It can affect your mood, the way you feel, your inflammation levels, your weight management, your overall health. And it is such an important key piece of hormone balance as well. So when we eat food, our bodies can turn that into sugar or glucose in the blood. And in a healthy, well-functioning body, your body will secrete a hormone called insulin, which signals your body to move some of that sugar into the cells. And then it goes out of the bloodstream and is available to use for energy. So when we're talking about blood sugar regulation or blood sugar balance, we're really discussing your body's ability to use the sugar that's in the blood and put it into cells and use that for energy. So when we're looking at a continuous glucose monitor, this is a little device that sticks on the back of your arm and it has a little needle that goes into your bloodstream and you can scan either your phone or a reader right onto that device and it will tell you the measure of sugar in your blood. So depending on where you are, either the States or Canada, there's going to be different readings, but because we're doing this podcast in Canada, ours will be MMOL slash liter is the unit of measurement we're referring to if we use any numbers in the podcast. So you've been wearing a continuous glucose monitor for the past six weeks. What have you been finding? The first thing I want to say is that I believe everybody at some point in their life should wear a continuous glucose monitor. So before I started wearing the monitor, I was doing lots for blood sugar balance. And it's kind of funny, but funny, but not funny how I would be eating certain foods, you know, like using sweet potatoes and having it with a protein and a veggie or eating in certain amounts per sitting. And my intention behind that was overall health, but also blood sugar balance. And when I stuck on the continuous glucose monitor, I was pretty shocked at how some of the things that I was doing with the belief or that I've been told or understood from the research in the data actually weren't supporting my individual blood sugar regulation. And so I think it's really important for everybody to at least spend two weeks measuring their blood sugar, wearing a continuous glucose monitor so that you're able to see the exact things that you're doing and the impact it has on your body. And if you follow me on social media, I preach all of the time just how different we are and how each of us have individual needs, individual metabolisms. We respond to foods in a different way. And even if you're taking all of the general applications of keeping your blood sugar stable, you can still have a lot of blood sugar fluctuations if you're eating certain foods that your body is really, really sensitive to. And so I always say that it's good to test, not guess, and gather the information on your unique body so that you can see the way you're responding to certain types of foods and that you're able to work on supporting your body and make sure that the things you're doing are supporting your overall health. So just backtracking that a little bit, I touched on doing all of the things for blood sugar balance. So I think it's important to just discuss some of the things that we can do to keep our blood sugar stable or what a lot of the research suggests as general rules of thumb for blood sugar balance. So the first one is meal balance. So I like to give my clients the guideline of no naked carbs, which means we never want to be having just a carbohydrate on its own. We always want to be pairing carbs with either a protein or a fat 
or both so that it aids in blood sugar regulation. As carbs are the quickest to digest typically, adding a protein or a fat can slow down the amount of time it takes for your body to digest and therefore can lessen the impact that it has on your blood sugar. And then when we're looking at a meal, we want to have a good balance of macronutrients. So we want all three to be present, proteins, carbs, and fat, but we also want to look at the amount of each. So again, each person has an individual glucose metabolism. So Denon's body can for sure handle a lot more carbs in my, in one sitting than my body can. And my body can probably handle a lot more carbs in one sitting than let's say my mom. And so it's important to look at our body and the way that we're responding to certain amounts of carbohydrates at a meal in order to keep our blood sugar stable. And then staying on the subject of meals, even the order of which you eat certain foods in a meal can impact your blood sugar. So for optimal blood sugar balance, we first want to eat greens and veggies, then move to our proteins and fats. And then the last thing we want to be consuming at a meal are starches or carbs, and that will help to regulate your blood sugar just at the meal. And now it gets into the little bit of a nuance where people are like, oh, so should I be pulling apart my lasagna and looking for the meat and the green things first? No, only when it's easy and simple to eat in an order would somebody apply that knowledge. But if you are eating something, let's say just a general plate with some steak, some sweet potatoes and some veggies, you could do it in the order of veggies, then steak, then sweet potatoes last to support your blood sugar. And we apologize if we're offending anybody in the culinary arts. It's just important if we want to focus on the regulation of your blood sugar. And another thing that can be really supportive is using some supplements or other aids. So a really famous one is apple cider vinegar. So having a tablespoon or two of apple cider vinegar in a little bit of water 15 to 30 minutes before your meal can have a profound effect on supporting your blood sugar and lessening a glucose spike. We also found that some supplements are very, very supportive for regulating your blood sugar. So Denon, do you want to talk a little bit about that? So there are some supplements that have been shown to help with blood sugar regulation. Some things such as berberin. Berberin has been shown that it's going to help uh, the actual uptick, especially if you are watching it on a continuous glucose monitor. That's one thing that we did try with some of Sarah's meals. To be fair, I have not done this yet either because I don't like pokey things in my arm, but in the next week, I'm going to be jumping on this as well, and I'll be giving you an update on what I'll be doing over the coming month or two as well. So what we did see is we we gave her a meal that was a yam meal, and like we were saying earlier, the... Uh, the sweet potatoes and the yams, they spike her blood sugar off the freaking charts. Like it was freaky, honestly. So then we tried to do basically one day after another of eating the exact same things at the exact same times. The training scenarios were exactly the same as well. And then we would test it with something like a berberin. Berberin did have a positive effect on the blood sugar regulation. Another supplement would be a blood sugar breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Now, everybody knows that we are affiliated with Bioptimizers, and that's because they have some really interesting, unique, and high-quality supplements that are, like, they don't do, like, the whey proteins and the creatines and stuff. They make very specific things, such as uh, really high-quality uh, proteolytic digestive enzyme, which we use, and it's called Masszymes. They also have the... Um, Uh, what's it called? The magnesium, magnesium breakthrough. That's an excellent seven source magnesium. And it's just, it's an interesting and unique supplement, but one of the ones that had caught our attention in the past months when we started really diving deeper into blood sugar balance is their product called blood sugar breakthrough. Now that one is a blend of different types of herbs and botanicals that are all going to be helping, including, I believe berberin is also in that. So we tried that as well, just like with berberin, it did actually slightly more, not like 
tons and tons more, but it did add like another 10 to 20% benefit uh, over top of what the Berberin was doing. So those are two things that are useful and they are helpful. However, it's more like a band-aid on a bad situation. Or if you are somebody that just has chronically high and elevated blood sugar, it will certainly help, I'm sure, over time as well. And we're going to test these things over multi-months um, just to kind of see what the long-term benefits are. But on a more acute singular basis, we did find that both berberin and blood sugar breakthrough bioptimizers, by bioptimizers, did have benefits for blood sugar. If you are interested in the uh, blood sugar breakthrough by bioptimizers, our uh, discount code with the company is embodied10. Yeah. And just to take kind of a numbers perspective, so you can understand the impact that these supplements and these herbs can have. So the first time I ever had a meal, which was about 35 grams of protein, 30 grams of carbs, which relatively is not a lot, especially for somebody who has the muscle mass that I do and a relatively active person and 15 grams of fat. There was also some fiber present. So I did have hundred grams of green veggies, which adds fiber. And so this is a pretty classic balanced meal. And the first time that I ate it, my blood sugar went from about a five or just below a five all the way up to a 10 or a 10.5 within 20 minutes. Now, this is very, very quick. So we want the peak of our blood sugar to be about one hour after eating. So spiking up that high in 20 minutes is a really good sign that that did not work for my body. So when what I, are some of the numbers though? Like what is a five and what is a 10? Like where do people want to be sitting? Because that's not something we cover. And I think that's important numbers. Yeah, so again, this, these are the Canadian units of measurement that we use, which are MMOL-liter. And so fasting glucose ideally is under a 5.5 if you're looking at labs, but optimally probably is somewhere five or less for fasting glucose. So this is your glucose when you wake up in the morning before you've eaten anything. Now, after a meal, there is some... Um, mixed research or mixed opinions that we will don't want our glucose to be going anywhere above a seven or an eight. And then it should come back down to where it was before we ate the meal within two to three hours. Now, if you are a pre-diabetic or type two diabetic, they will give you different ranges of numbers. So for example, you might not want it to go over, let's say a 10 after a meal or be below a seven when you're fasting, but in a healthy individual or for optimal blood sugar, those would be around the numbers. So for me, as somebody who is not diabetic, having my blood sugar spike all the way up to a 10 within 20 minutes is a really, really big spike. And what I also saw after is that it came crashing back down. And now we don't want our blood sugar to be going too high or to spike too high, but we also don't want it to be coming down so quickly and experiencing blood sugar crashes. So when we're riding what we call the blood sugar roller coaster, which is your blood sugar getting extremely elevated and then coming back down fairly quickly, you can feel it in your body. And this will bring us into one of our points when I talk about five things I was surprised about. But I, when you have a blood sugar spike and then a crash, typically that would lead to fatigue, brain fog, cravings, sometimes even anxiety for people. And it can really have a myriad of symptoms for people who are riding on the blood sugar roller coaster or experiencing these pretty quick and extreme highs and lows. You know, what's really funny is we actually yesterday before recording this, both sinned as far as our blood sugar goes. What did you do first thing in the morning? That was actually today. Oh, was that today? Oh, <laughs> that no. That was today. Okay, well, yesterday I woke up and I did something that I'm, I'm very much 
against. And that's, uh, I felt great and I just wanted to get the day started. So I did a little bit of fasted cardio, um, just cause honestly, I've not been very good at keeping up with my cardiovascular activity. And I know it's really going to be important for my heart. So I just, I felt in the mood. I'm like, ah, oh, you know what, before I get started with the day, I'm just going to get started on a little bit of that. Now, what we have seen is doing fasted cardio for a lot of people causes immediate spikes in blood sugar. And what I noticed throughout the day is not only did my energy crash a couple hours later, but I couldn't get my hunger in order. Not only that, but I got very, very tired. Like I said, from the crash and I felt around like two o'clock to three o'clock, I had a little bit of anxiety. And I have been anxiety free for a long time. So for me, I was not too happy about that. And coming back to the sweet potatoes. So when I first ate the sweet potatoes, my blood sugar spiked all the way up to a 10 and then came crashing back down. The next day, I tried the same thing with using apple cider vinegar before the exact same meal. Everything was the same, training conditions the same, sleep, stress, all controlled. And it did only come up to an eight, which is still lower than it was without the apple cider vinegar, but it's still not within a healthy range or what I would consider healthy range. And the actual spike and crash did still happen quite quickly. I then tried it the next day with berberine, which brought it down a little bit more. I think it was around a 7.5 or a 7.6. And how quickly it went up and came down was also a lot more regulated. So it wasn't within 20 minutes. There was a gradual increase and then a gradual decline as well. And then the best set of all of those was the blood sugar breakthrough. And it kept my blood sugar around a six and not above a six. And there was a nice rolling hill. Things came up smoothly. They came back down smoothly. And so I was quite honestly surprised at how well that supplement worked. Again, as Denon mentioned, we have been affiliated with them. And so I do support their products. This is why. (laughs) Yeah. To actually see the data to support how well it regulated my blood sugar and the impact that it had, especially compared to other supplements or other aids. I was very, very, very impressed with this product. But again, I just want to make sure I state that's a band-aid, right? We're not condoning eating things that your body is obviously highly reactive to. For some people, like for example, if I just take a a spoonful of sugar and then take blood sugar balance, it's not okay all of a sudden. Like there's still physiological changes happening within the body. And if your body is highly reactive to it, yes, this is going to be a helpful for an acute situation. However, you probably should make lifestyle changes to ensure that you're not causing yourself damage over time and just covering it up with a band-aid supplement, right? So. Mm -hmm. And sweet potatoes are something I had been eating at least once, most days, twice a day for years, 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 years without knowing. And so as Denon mentioned, if I'm eating something every single day that my body is responsive to, even if I'm taking supplements, it still is having an impact on my body. And so unfortunately, my favorite source of carb, I have not cut out completely, but I have extremely limited. I don't have it on a daily basis. If I do, it's a treat or I have it every once in a while because it is impacting my body. And I'll be interested to see from removing it for a few months, if I come back and eat it, if it has the same effect on my body. So stay tuned for that. Maybe we'll do a little update in a couple months. Oh, 100%. And I just, yeah, I needed to nail that at home because I, I feel like a lot of the time people are going to hear these first 15 minutes and the only thing they're going to take out is that, oh, there's the supplement that can help, right? And I always want to loop back to no, no, supplements are not the first thing. And I, I just feel like a lot of the times when we're talking with maybe that's clients or, or anybody in the community, that's always the first thing that people go to is, oh, can I take something to help with that? And it's like, you can take something and, and that's called responsibility for your own system by actually <laughs> removing things, right? I love that. That's what you should be taking. So this is going to stem us into five surprising things I learned from wearing a continuous glucose monitor for about six weeks. And the first one we'll touch on, Denon already 
talked about, which is fasted cardio. So I have a Peloton. I love it. I love running. I love getting outside. I am someone who does enjoy doing cardiovascular activity. And if I do do it, I like to do it in the morning, start my day with some endorphins and a good sweat. So the first one Denon already touched on a little bit, which is doing fasted cardio. So I was surprised that fasted cardio spiked my blood sugar more than most foods that I ate aside from sweet potatoes. And in fact, this morning I put on a continuous glucose monitor yesterday. I wanted to retest. I went out on a run this morning and my blood sugar went from the fasting state all the way up to a 10 just from doing cardio. And so the basis behind that or how that works is your body will secrete a hormone called cortisol to signal your body to move sugar from the cells into the blood so that you can get energy. So even if you haven't eaten anything, your body is going to use some of the stored sugar to put into your bloodstream to fuel you. So not only does this show that this was not great for my blood sugar, but it also showed that it probably had an effect on my hormones and that I was starting my day with a huge spike of cortisol. And if you follow me on social media, I've talked a lot about having a savory breakfast and making sure you don't start your day with a big blood sugar spike through breakfast, but this also goes for fasted cardio. We're going to have less regulated blood sugar throughout the day on mornings that we have a huge spike to start the day. And so starting your day with fasted cardio or coffee and then cardio is going to impact your blood sugar regulation through the rest of the day, which... I kind of knew because I knew the effect it had on cortisol, but I was shocked to see it on a graph and actually see just how impactful that was for blood sugar. But there's a point there that she also made. I know there's mostly health, light, and lifestyle people are going to be listening to this. However, I know some uh, maybe fitness influencer or fitness industry type people may also be tuning in. And there's one thing that drives me up the freaking wall. This really grinds my gears, as they say, is when companies are promoting doing cardio in the mornings with caffeine. Now, if you just wake up and take caffeine, you will also notice a stress response, which is going to trigger a glucose response and a blood sugar response in the body. Combine that stress with also the physical activity, it's going to see it go even higher. If Sarah did that this morning on 200 milligrams of caffeine, which some of these ridiculous companies who even put out a product called fasted cardio pisses me off, but you combine those two things together, you are almost guaranteeing blood sugar dysregulation throughout the day. And that is likely going to even negate the effects that you are trying to do because a lot of people are trying to do fasted cardio for fat loss. This cortisol spike and this blood sugar dysregulation is likely going to do the exact reverse effect for the other 23 hours of the day that you're not training. You're actually more likely in many cases to put on fat over time as you do this practice. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Yeah, so fasted cardio can have a huge impact on our hormones as well as our blood sugar regulation throughout the day. And I guess that kind of stems us into number two. The thing I was surprised about is how you can really become accustomed to feeling less than ideal. So when I understood how my body was responding to sweet potatoes and thought back, I'm like, how have I been doing this for so long and not noticed or felt the changes that I talk about, I read about, I hear about all the time. And then it dawned on me. At one point, I probably did, and I probably chalked it up to something else. When I started eating sweet potatoes, I was going to school under a lot of stress, doing diets, teaching a bazillion (laughs) fitness classes and hot yoga classes, and so I might not have recognized the impact that this specific food was having on me. And then years and years later, 
I just become accustomed to that feeling. And I'm someone who has naturally a lot of energy in general, but especially in the morning. And so to me, I was like, oh yeah, when the afternoon and evening comes around, I'm a little bit more tired. When I stopped having them for lunch, I was like, whoa, this is actually how much abundant energy my body has. And although I'm still naturally a high energy person, so I didn't feel tired per se, I did notice when I took them out, I felt way better. My energy was more stable. I could focus better. I had way less cravings on days that I don't eat them. I don't have any cravings at all. On days that I do, I start to have sweet cravings in the evening. So I was so shocked at how even for somebody who knows the impact blood sugar dysregulations can have, I maybe wasn't able to pinpoint it on my body because I had been doing it for so long that I just adjusted to it. And this is the same with, you know, digestive issues, period issues. If we have longstanding issues, our body will adapt, our mind will become resilient. And even though we're not feeling our best, we might not even recognize it because we forget or we don't know how good our body is designed to feel. And so that to me was a big aha moment and also why I always encourage um, doing tests again because we can become so accustomed to not feeling great that we don't even know that we could feel better. Our bodies are homeostasis machines. We always take the situation we're in and we try to regulate to that situation, right? So just because you feel good in the moment actually doesn't mean that you're in maybe all good long-term. We've just adjusted to what we, we think is right. I had that situation when I was working till 3, 4 a.m. in the morning, waking up on four or five hours of sleep going throughout my day. And I did that for long enough that it felt normal until I crashed and my body wasn't happy. So homeostasis is all our body's looking for at all times, but it doesn't mean it's our most optimal state to be in. And I just want to apologize real quick. It sounds like somebody's outside with a leaf blower throughout this podcast. So if there's a little sound in the background, I, I promise I didn't leave the blow dryer on in the bathroom. <laughs> And the next point we've touched on a little bit, but this is um, how morning spikes can impact the rest of your day. Now, this one I wasn't overly surprised about. This is something that I've known and I've read a lot about, but it was just reaffirmation of something that I did know. So on the mornings, let's say that I was testing the fasted cardio and I went out and I had a big spike in the morning. Everything that I ate for the rest of the day had a little bit more of a spike and my blood sugar was more dysregulated for the rest of the day because I already started my body off on a blood sugar spike and with that imbalance. On days where I was, you know, doing the good thing, having breakfast, maybe going for a walk, nourishing my body in the morning, my blood sugar was way more regulated throughout the rest of the day independent of what I was eating. So even if I ate, let's say, sweet potatoes, I would still have less of a response to them on mornings where I didn't have a spike versus mornings that I did. And so what we do in the morning can be very, very impactful for setting our body up and priming our body for blood sugar balance through the rest of the day. And then number four, we've touched on a little bit, but I want to really nail this in. And this is individual differences to certain foods and the blood sugar response that we have. So there was actually a study that came out not too long ago that was looking at bananas versus cookies and measuring people's blood sugar response to each of those items. And what they found is there was almost a 50-50 split for those who had more of a spike with the banana and those who had more of a spike with the cookie. And the study was to show the individual differences and in types of sugar and the way that our body responds to certain foods. As we mentioned, my body does not like sweet potatoes. And so it just goes to show that even with eating the same amounts of carbohydrates on paper, this can have a much different effect on our blood sugar balance. So I tested 30 grams of carbs with sweet potato, apple, 
regular potatoes, rice, different types of fruit, all different types of foods. And even though for all you macro trackers out there, again, I'm not against tracking macros, but there is more to health and even weight loss than just macros or what you see on paper. My body had a much different response to these foods. So even though something might look like I'll have clients say all the time, oh, well, I only ate a little bit of it. But if your body is responding to that food, even a little bit can have a big effect. And so we are all so individual, which is why I'm a huge supporter of everybody wearing one of these for two weeks to find out what is impacting them as an individual, because it can be so different person to person. It's just another reason why the, if it fits your macro zealots or just, you need to listen to this. It's not all the way it is. Weight Watchers for the whole population is, is not a good situation. Mm -hmm. And even so, like my body responds way less or I have way less of a spike to eating simple sugars like ice cream or the cake I had on my sister's birthday doesn't even compare to something like sweet potatoes, which people go, oh, but isn't that quote unquote healthy? And I also think it's important to understand that the healthy choice is different for everyone. And just because a food is a whole food doesn't mean that it's supporting your body or that it's supportive for your body a hundred percent. And so again, individual differences are so important to understand and to recognize and be tuned into because if I'm eating a food that is spiking my blood sugar every single day, now I'm at risk long-term or chronically for things like pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance. So even if I'm eating quote unquote healthy, but I'm still having these blood sugar spikes, I'm putting myself at risk. And so the re really, as Denon mentioned, the onus is on us to take responsibility and to understand our body, especially if you have a history in your family of diabetes, which I do on both sides, it's really, really important to understand how your nutrition is impacting you so that you can set yourself up for success long-term with your health responsibility and discipline. You can take the responsibility for a little while, but you also have to have the discipline to follow that through over time. Now, also I want to mention just because the sweet potatoes for, for Sarah, this is her individual thing. Doesn't mean sweet potatoes for everybody, but just because that spiked it more than the cake that she had like a couple weeks ago, or the little ice cream that she had last night, we're also not saying those are healthy. Those have inflammatory factors in, in them as well, such as the sugar, or maybe who knows what was in the cake that we, we didn't make ourselves, right? But um, doesn't mean those things are healthy and you should be okay with them all the time. But we're just saying there might be certain foods that you have on a daily basis, such as the sweet potatoes, that could be a factor in reducing your sensitivity to insulin. Yeah, and again, like Denon said, it's important to recognize that everybody is different. So please don't take what I say about my body and and marinate that and make it true in your body because you are different and you probably have different individual triggers. I'm also working on looking at continuous glucose monitors with a few clients and every single one of them is different. So it's important to recognize you're an individual. What affects my body might not affect your body in the same way. I haven't even put mine on yet, but I'm willing to guess and I'm excited to check this out that popcorn is dog shit for my body because I know how I feel. I know what a low, I, I grew up with hypoglycemia. So it's that's not even quite pre-diabetic, but it's it's getting close to it. And so I have always been kind of aware of how often I need to eat, what I'm going to be eating. Um, and one thing I've always noticed over the years, just on the feelings of I know what low blood sugar feels like after the fact, popcorn has always been a bad one for me. So I'm super excited to check back in with you soon and see how that affects me. Mm -hmm. And the best thing actually for my blood sugar carb wise is blueberries. Yeah. So what's really interesting is I have this shake that I eat quite often and it's blueberries with um, grass-fed whey protein powder, spirulina, 
and a little bit of milk and some fiber powder that I add in there. And when I look at the graph, it looks like I did not eat. There is no movement at all to my blood sugar, which is pretty crazy. And it's again, the same amount of carbs on paper that I would be eating at all of my other meals, but my body just seems to respond really, really well to those. So you'll catch me on a blueberry only diet for the next 30 days. She's kidding. She's totally kidding. joking. Kidding. <laughs> totally joking. And number five of five surprising things I learned from wearing a continuous glucose monitor is the cycle related changes. Now this might not be true for everybody. This is true in my body, but what I found was during my menstrual phase of my cycle, as well as my follicular phase, my fasting glucose was on average one or more points lower than it was during my ovulation phase and my luteal phase. And this is of course due to hormone changes, but I was so interested to see how that was consistent over a couple months time. So it wasn't just like a one-off thing and how the average was always lower. And my body responded to carbohydrates differently during different phases of my cycle. And if you have listened to our podcast before, we have talked a little bit about how cycle fluctuations are important to be aware of. And it is important to slightly adjust your nutrition to support your body throughout those times. But again, it's always so interesting to see the actual data and see just how impactful um, my cycle changes were on something like my blood sugar, which again, impacts my overall health, my energy, and the way I feel day to day. So how to use that information or how I apply it is increasing my protein slightly at times my fasting glucose was higher, as well as being mindful of types of carb I'm eating, amount of carbohydrates per sitting, and just overall being a little bit more mindful about my food choice during the two weeks of my cycle where my fasting glucose was a little bit higher. So moving back through the five things you learned while in the past couple of months using a continuous glucose monitor, and by the way, we are going to continue doing that, number one. Number one is that fasted cardio can spike your blood sugar like no other, sometimes even more than food. And don't do it with caffeine. Number two. Number two is that everybody's body responds to different foods different. And just because something has the same amount of carbs doesn't mean that it has the same impact on your blood sugar. Hey, we've been saying that for a while. Number three. Number three is that big spikes in the morning or morning glucose spikes can impact your blood sugar regulation through the rest of the day. And number four. Number four is that you can become accustomed to not feeling your best. That's very true. Number five. Number five is that there can be big cycle-related fluctuations with your blood sugar regulation. That's probably the trickiest of them all, I would say, because I know you got, you definitely got way more sensitive to the foods in the second half of your cycle. Mm -hmm. Like just random little things will even just set you off, things that wouldn't set you off in the first half. So that's where things can get a little tricky. And I think especially if you are working with you know, a functional nutritionist such as Sarah, um, wearing one of these things is going to only benefit your situation and your coaching experience because you're going to be able to actually have so much more data to move off of. If you don't know, you're just guessing. So in this case, it's better to test, not guess, as we say. Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned, I was actually pretty surprised at how my blood sugar was borderlining pre-diabetic. And I will, if you're following along on my social media, I'm doing a 30-day get serious about my blood sugar to see how much improvement I can have because I was eating what I would consider relatively healthy and I was eating for blood sugar balance and still I was doing things that made my blood sugar dysregulated. So test, don't guess. It's always a good idea to you know, really tune into your health and to take the driver's seat to understand these things, especially for me as I'm relatively young. And I do understand that with my mom or a lot of my family members, they didn't get pre-diabetes or type two diabetes till later on in life. So now is the best time where regardless of your age, regardless of who you are and where you are, now is the best time to start taking care of your health. 
Absolutely. Have empathy for your future self and start taking action, discipline, and responsibility for that future self now. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We're going to probably loop back in in the next four or five weeks and do a part two of this uh, with my continuous glucose monitor results and after Sarah's 30 days of serious work on blood glucose regulation. So thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we please do recommend that you give us a five-star rating on either Spotify or iTunes. Or if you loved us that much, it would benefit the show greatly to give it a share on social media because really that's how we grow at the end of the day and spread the good word of health to the people is through person-to-person contact and that is the best way to share. So thank you again so much for listening. Sarah, any last words? That's all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any linked materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution.